This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is your co-host, Mike, here to give you a quick preview on this week's interview. This time around, Josh and I sat down with Allison Marker, president and CEO of Marker Incorporate. And Marker is a construction and commercial real estate company that has been in Allison's family for three generations. And early on in the show, we asked Allison about her experience growing up and whether or not she planned on making a career out of the family business. It just seemed to really be a consuming part of his life and very stressful. And so it was just never something that I even thought about. You know, there was also no representation of women in the company. There were women who worked there, but it wasn't something where I saw myself. In my mind, growing up, it was all, you know, the people out in the field working hard, doing that labor. I didn't really understand or see the business side of construction. So wasn't really uh, something I even thought about. My parents never really encouraged us or even pushed us to kind of follow in their footsteps and join the family business. In fact, they sort of discouraged us. I mean, they were really like, you guys need to find your own passions, do what you're interested in and pursue that. Later in the show, we talked about an important goal for Allison getting the company to 50% representation for women. It's really about representation. We've got the women around us. We just need to bring them into the industry. We are at about 18% overall female, and that includes our professional staff and our field staff. So a smaller percentage in the fields, more folks in the office. We have a lot of engineers, project managers, and then people in different departments, accounting, marketing, that kind of thing. We wrap up the interview with some advice from Allison for anyone out there looking to make their way up in the world. So Cameron Mitchell did a presentation this morning for the Conway Center for Family Businesses. I wasn't there, but I heard about it. And I just read something recently in Business First, I believe, from him. And his new book is called Say Yes, Ask Questions Later. That has always been my motto. And that is 100% the advice that I give to people. When opportunities are presented, say yes. Volunteer, raise your hand. I think that that's been a huge factor in how I've gotten to where I am now is if I'm drawn to something, if something's interesting to me, if an opportunity presents itself, I go after it. I lean in and then I dig in as much as I can to learn as much as I can from it. Josh and I had a great time talking with Allison. And as usual, we're sure you'll learn a lot from this conversation as well. That's it for me. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. If you don't recognize me, this is Mike, your co-host, but uh, I am struggling to recover from a little bit of a cold and uh, I now sound like a chain smoker. Josh, over there, how you doing? Good, dude. Super healthy, full voice, yeah, feeling like a million you. bucks. Good for you. I'm glad you're feeling good. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe you'll catch whatever I had just to, because you said that. I don't think it's possible. My immune system is very superior to yours. <laughs> Probably true. And I really like when we went out. So we were in Nashville last weekend, for those of you who don't know, but there was a lot of drinking. So I basically pulled the goalie on the immune system, like just literally just put myself in every situation that would allow me to get sick. And here I am. Well, he also grew up in San Diego, and that's where people get soft. When you grow right. up in Ohio, yeah. you get rough weather, you have to get sick. Speaking of San Diego, how about them Padres? Padres won their uh, second game in the ALDS against the Dodgers. We're going back to San Diego, two games in San Diego. If they can win both those games, they're heading to the NLCS. But you don't know any what anything I just yeah. said means. Too many acronyms. I'm super excited about the Padres. But that's enough about sports, San Diego, and my health. I think it's a good time to introduce our guest for today. So today on the show, we're talking with Allison Marker, president and CEO of Marker Incorporated. Marker is a woman-owned commercial real estate and full-service construction company. 
prior to Marker Incorporate, Allison spent time as a psychotherapist, and she's also an alumnus of The Ohio State University. She was elected one of the 2021 Columbus Business First 40 Under 40, and we're excited to talk with Allison today about her journey, why Marker is looking to bring more diversity to the construction workforce, especially bringing more women into the field and a whole lot more. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Allison. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, appreciate you coming in and excited to uh, have the chance to talk to you, learn a little more about Marker. So, Obviously, Marker, probably, you know, your last name makes sense. So one of the first places we like to start is just a little bit of background on yourself, your story, kind of how you got to where we are today. And, and that can go as far back as like, have you always lived in Columbus? So I grew up in Belfountain, Ohio. Do you know where that is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I didn't. I definitely did not before I moved to Ohio, but now I do. Okay. About 50 miles northwest of here, uh, known for the first concrete street in Ohio and in the, in the highest point in Ohio. So very cool. Grew up in, in Belfountain and graduated from high school there. I grew up in a family business, so I'm third generation. My grandfather was a co-founder of our construction company. And then my dad took over with his brother-in-law. And so the family business was always around, always a part of our lives, but it wasn't something that Mm -hmm. I was really interested in pursuing when I was younger. So when I graduated from high school, I went to school at Miami University. Uh, My undergraduate studies were in psychology and women's studies. And from there, I really wanted to become a psychotherapist. So uh, the quickest way for me was to get a clinical social work degree. So Mm -hmm. I went to Ohio State to pursue that. So I've been in Columbus since 2003. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what I'm curious about is you said a couple things, right? You never saw yourself getting into the family business Mm -hmm. growing up. And then, hey, I really wanted to be a psychotherapist. So I'm curious, I guess, what as a kid deterred you from that? And then what changed? Those are really, really good questions. So I watched my dad run the business. And it always seemed kind of far away and a little Mm -hmm. bit, you know, stressful. Like he just, he was always working, always away, really focused on the business. He was there for our sporting events, but it just seemed to really be like a consuming part of his life and and very stressful. And Mm so it was just never something that I even thought about. You know, there was also no representation of women in the company. There were women who worked there, but it wasn't something where I saw myself. Mm-hmm. You know, in my mind growing up, it was all, you know, the people out in the field working hard doing that labor. I didn't really understand or see the business side mm-hmm. of construction. So wasn't really uh, something I even thought about. My parents never really encouraged us or even pushed us to kind of follow in their footsteps and join the family business. In fact, they sort of discouraged us. I mean, they were really like, you guys need to find your own passions, do what you're interested in and pursue that. And you said us, so I'm assuming you had siblings. I have three siblings. Okay. Yes. An older sister and two younger brothers. So I decided, you know, I went to school, I started out undecided at Miami, and I just started taking classes that really interested me. Mm -hmm. And um, it all ended up kind of coming together with a dual degree in psychology and women's studies. So I was always just always very interested in people and how people work, uh, how their minds work, how they interact, how they interact with people around them, the community, just always fascinated by that. So that's what drew me to that, to psychology. And then also very interested in dynamics for women, you know, gender identity, sexuality. That was just something that really piqued my interest as well, especially coming from a small town where there wasn't a lot of exposure or a lot of conversation about that. 
So that's how I ended up doing that. And, and really through both of those programs, found myself, you know, wanting to be in that role where I could connect with people and help them as a therapist. At what point did you make the decision that you weren't going to go down that route and you were going to start pursuing business? So I actually did go down that route. So I went to Ohio State. I got my social work degree. Part of getting your uh, master's in clinical social work is doing some practicums. So I did some work with homeless shelters, with people who were considered severely mentally ill, chronically homeless, and loved the work that I was doing in the community. And I did that for a few years until I really was like, I need, what I want to do is be sitting with somebody and really doing in-depth psychotherapy and really helping people on an individual level. I went to a three-year postgraduate training program for Gestalt Psychotherapy. And from there, I started doing private practice. So I was doing private practice psychotherapy with individuals, couples, families, some work with children until 10 years ago when my dad reached out to me. So we're originally from Bell Fountain. Then he opened up an office in Columbus in 2011. And so that was right before I started. And he was really focused on building this Columbus office, but didn't have a lot of leadership or a lot of folks that could help him do that. So he's still in Bell Fountain and he really wanted like eyes and ears in Bell Fountain, somebody to be his right hand to help him grow this office in this market. So he reached out to me just kind of like, hey, uh, have any interest in, you know, you live in Columbus. I need somebody in Columbus. I need somebody who's who has a focus on people, people development. And so want to throw it out at you before I find somebody else to do it. So that's where the conversation started about joining the family business. And even then, I was like, I don't know about this. You know, this is, you know. But at the beginning, I really saw it as a temporary gig. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to join, you know, maybe I was, I thought I was going to work part time and keep my private practice and that I would just, you know, help them out maybe for a year or two to, um, kind of do the, the HR stuff, the people stuff. So bringing people in, onboarding them, making sure that the culture was consistent across the two offices and in the field. Um, I even, I kept my private practice for a little while until about maybe six to nine months into it. I was like, that's not going to work. I need to do this full time. And I was just mm-hmm. fully engaged at that point. Do you think that that hesitancy is at all related to that perception we talked about earlier from being a kid growing up that like, Hey, I don't know if this is like what I want to do, or do you think that's completely unrelated? I mean, this is off the wall question. So feel well, free I to- think it was, uh, yeah, all the unknowns, <clears throat> like what, like what, what is this? What am I getting myself into? Mm-hmm. You know, I had something good going on. I had my own practice and uh, my own book of business. Um, so it was, you know, a big jump for me to go from that to joining the family business. I also just didn't know what it would be like to work with my dad to work with an uncle, potentially other family members. It's complicated. There were a lot of layers to it. Yeah. Family businesses are interesting. So Mm -hmm. my mom's side of the family, they run a uh, Pepsi factory up in Southern Oregon and they, she has eight siblings. So, and they all have ownership in the same company Yes, and it is (laughs) making decisions like it, it works pretty well for them, but I could tell that like, it would be difficult. My parents bought out of the business early on before Mm -hmm. I was around, but 
it's definitely would be a challenge. Mm-hmm. I can see it being a challenge having a family business because mm-hmm. it's hard to disconnect that business and family, even though everyone's like, yeah, these are separate, but are they really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and I've been really fortunate. I didn't have a chance to work with my grandfather who was a co-founder and just recently passed away, unfortunately, but. Um, Sorry to hear that. Thanks. But I did get to work with my uncle and my dad. My dad has honestly been my biggest cheerleader and my biggest support. So I've gotten to work with both of my brothers. So going into it, I had no idea what that was going to be like. Yeah, and I was going to ask about the rest of the siblings. So at the point that you, uh, your dad reached out and you joined the company, were they involved and are they still involved today? My sister, uh, my older sister, has never been involved with the business. She also went to Miami. She's in Cincinnati and she went into healthcare, healthcare administration. She actually did work as a laborer in the summers growing up. So she does have like actual experience with a company, but not after graduating. And then uh, my two brothers were in the business when I started. So one was uh, my brother Kirk was a project manager. He studied civil engineering, structural engineering in school. And so that's, you know, he was a project manager for us. And then my other brother was our safety director. And I don't know, maybe a couple of years after I started, my the one brother who was the engineer ended up wanting to go to law school. So he left, went to law school, focused on real estate development and construction litigation and worked in that field for a while and then just rejoined the business about three years ago. So he was an engineer and then just decided, I'm going to go to law school. I think he was always interested in it. Sounds like a smart guy. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Yes, he is smart. Yeah. yeah. I think he was always interested in it and the timing was just right for him to do that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. okay. So what I'm curious about is you decided to join up and in six to nine months and you're like, okay, I got to go full time. Between that point and now, how has that Columbus office grown? How has things changed? And how did you handle all that? Because I can't imagine that a psychotherapist would have a lot of business training other than what you got kind of Mm -hmm. leading and growing up Mm -hmm. as part of the family business. Yeah. So we've grown a lot, changed a lot. I mean, the Columbus office had to become established over the years. And that happened, I would say that kind of sorted itself out within three or four years, you know, bringing people on, making sure they were the right fit, making sure that all of our processes were consistent. My role was really more It was to help grow the Columbus office, but more organizational than that. So it was always focused on people across the company. So our Belfountain office, which we still have, our Columbus office, and then our folks who work out in the field. But yeah, the company as a whole has changed quite a bit. We've done a lot of work to invest in technology, a lot to invest in processes, culture, people development. We had about 90 People when I started were at about 140. So it's not like it's it's been really controlled growth. We're really careful about who we bring on, how we bring them on, really want to make sure that we focus on our people and their development, their opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're pretty intentional about that. And don't bring people on just to bring them on. We're really careful about that. So you mentioned one of the goals is to get uh, at least 50% of the staff as female. So where are you guys at with respect to that goal? And how are you progressing towards making that happen? And that's that's a massive accomplishment if you're able to get to it, especially in this industry. That's a really, I mean, that's like a BHAG, right? That's a long-term goal for us. For me personally, and you know, it's just, it's it's really about representation. We've got the women in, you know, around us. We just need to bring them into the industry. 
We are at about 18% overall female, and that includes our professional staff and our field staff. So a smaller percentage in the fields, um, more folks in the office. We have a lot of, you know, engineers, project managers, and then people in different departments, accounting, marketing, that kind of thing. Part of it, I just actually just had an interview this morning for my um, WBE certification. Part of it is doing everything I can to promote representation of women in construction. So just using myself Mm -hmm. and my role to show that there's opportunities for women. But really, a lot of what we're doing is investing in the youth, you know, trying to reach girls. It's not just women, you know, it's, it's people of different colors, different religions, like all kinds of diversity, but really trying to reach people in, you know, middle school, high school, and show that this could be a great career for anybody. A lot of it's, um, you know, outreach, representation, looking for opportunities to bring women in that are not in the industry, but that are, you know, open and interested and willing to be trained. So we do a lot of that. How would you describe the culture of the company? I'm just curious. Inclusive. We just did like one of those surveys. So inclusive is one of the the words that was kind of like the big one that everybody said. Collaborative, hardworking, authentic. So a place that people enjoy going to, they feel like they can be themselves There's a hard work rooted in, I mean, you would assume with the construction aspect. How have you watched the business evolve since the very beginning? When you first jumped in in the very beginning, like how hard was it to get acclimated to that business environment and start understanding how to operate in a totally different industry? Looking back, it didn't seem like it was that hard, but I don't remember 10 years ago what that felt like. I remember resistance at the beginning from some of the folks who had been there for a long time. And that resistance, I think, was more about who is this girl and what is she trying to do? You know, like, and really, I think people were worried about nepotism and, you know, we don't want somebody to be getting opportunities that they don't deserve. And that was very short-lived. You know, I think that that was kind of like the biggest resistance that stands out to me. And it was short-lived because I think I immediately you know, really acclimated to the people and to the culture. And it felt very familiar. I mean, you know, a lot of our people are from Logan County, where I'm from. I knew people, you know, our families knew each other. And I was there to serve. That's who I am. I'm here to serve people. And so that kind of brings the tension down or resistance down when when they start to see, hey, she's here to like help us and help us grow and make things better and find opportunities to focus on us. So I think that that resistance subsided pretty quickly. Hey, everybody. Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. And we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive companies, grows a highly adaptive workforce, and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. What about companies outside of Marker? So 
vendors, contractors, people you're dealing with every day. You mentioned earlier, right? Like 18% of your company is female and you focus on it. Mm -hmm. So I'm imagining that the leadership of other companies is typically not going to be female. So do you see any sort of challenge with that? I mean, I guess the question I'm asking is, do people treat you differently? Because like when you first meet them, when you first interact with a company, are they testing you or in any way? Or do you see that in that industry still? Mm, that's a good question. Not much, mm -hmm. but it's still there for sure. I think the construction industry, although it's very slow to change, I do think there's really great leaders around here that are promoting a lot of women in diversity and construction. So I think there's a lot of progress and you're seeing a lot more of that. In terms of clients, you know, one of our biggest clients is Coda and Joanna Pinkerton, and yeah. she's a badass. We and had her on recently. Yeah. I mean, we're starting to see more women in leadership, more women in decision-making roles. And I don't think it's been um, an issue or a barrier. You know, women tend to, um, and this is a generalization, but build relationships and be, you know, really responsible and great communicators. And so I think clients really appreciate that, especially in the construction industry. You know, you're building a building and, and you want to make sure that people know what's going on and they know how things are hitting their schedule, their budget and that kind of thing. And women tend to do a really nice job with that. So I don't think that that's been a big issue. I think it's been a, an advantage for us. What about the focus of the business? So if we talk about the company itself and the evolution of the work that you all do and what you have done over the past, mm -hmm. what are you focused on today and what do you see being focused on into the future? Mm -hmm. So we're a commercial builder. Um, we work in several different markets. So our strongest market is industrial. So warehouses, manufacturing, light manufacturing facilities, Mixed-use, multifamily, which is a very growing market for us and for everybody else in Columbus. So big need there. And that's obviously going to continue to grow with the, with the housing needs that we have here in Columbus. Healthcare is a good market for us. We've done a lot of work there in higher education. And then civic community type projects. So like I mentioned, CODA is a big client of ours. And we do work all over Ohio, but very focused on growing our Columbus market as well. I'm just looking to grow those markets, again, in a, in a controlled manner. I think there's a lot of work to be done here in Central Ohio, a lot of opportunities for all of us, and uh, just want a little bit more of that market share. So how do you go about capturing that market share? What's the go-to-market? Do you guys have a sales team? Are you just in and out of meetings with folks like Joanna, hey, trying to get your name out there, trying to get the brand out there? Like, What does that look like? Yeah, there's a couple different ways that we win work. Part of it is bidding. That's kind of the old school, you know, you bid a project, build it. So there's still those opportunities out. Usually those are public projects or there's what we call qualification-based projects where we're submitting our qualifications, our resumes, our portfolio of projects. So there's kind of the traditional sales, those kind of sales routes. We have about 80% of our clients are repeat business. So a lot of what we're doing is operational selling. We just get in there, clients that we've had for 40 years, continue to do a really great job for them and then continue to do work with them. And then a lot of it is word of mouth, you know, just really great referrals, networking, connections. We don't have a big sales team. We do very little selling, very little business development. And really, if we did a lot of that, problem would be executing. Part of what holds us back and what holds back a lot of people right now is just not having the workforce to be able to execute. Mm -hmm. So our pipeline is full 
Um, it's just a matter of having the people to execute that. Yeah, that's going to be my next question. How hard have you found it to find and retain labor in the current market? Yeah, it's huge. It's huge, right? Like, especially in construction. We're really fortunate because we are originally from Logan County. We recruit and hire a lot of people out of that area. And a lot of those people come from farming backgrounds and they're familiar with the type of work that we do. So Mm -hmm. we're pretty fortunate that we have a nice pipeline of folks from Logan County that we can recruit, bring on, train them into the skilled trades. It's really tough. We're doing, I recently hired a director of workforce development to just 100% of his time is focused on building a pipeline, you know, in central Ohio and outside of central Ohio for candidates. So a lot of time is spent in schools making connections, whether it's middle school, high school, trade schools, you know, tech schools, and then also partnering with workforce development organizations locally to, you know, try to find Mm -hmm. non-traditional candidates. So people coming out of the prison systems, sort of the youth, you know, the 18 to 22-year-olds that are maybe a little bit lost in their career path. So he's spending all of his time working on that. With economic headwinds that we're kind of seeing today, are you guys seeing any slowdown at all? I know we're hearing a lot of like, oh, rates are going up, things are slowing down, the economy's going in the tank, right? We're hearing that all the time. But are you guys seeing any of that? For sure. Construction's one of the first places that you see it, right? Yeah. And one of the last places to feel it as well, you know, in the real estate side of it. So we do have a real estate company. The brother that was an engineer that went to law school and came back, he leads our real estate development company. It's hard right now to make projects pencil and everything is taking longer. Mm -hmm. You know, our subcontractors are struggling with their workforces. So projects that were supposed to take 12 months are now taking 16 months and there's costs involved with that, right? So yeah, there's a lot of challenges right now everywhere, but mm-hmm. but really in the construction industry as well, getting supplies, materials, equipment, getting people, everything is harder. Everything costs more. And it's hard to see that for our clients, you know, our clients who are trying to make things happen and some, a project that they thought was going to be possible a year ago is no longer possible. So we're working extra hard to try to find solutions for our clients to make changes, you know, reduce scope, find other ways to get different materials or equipment to make those things work. What about hobbies and focuses outside of the business? I mean, running this has got to be a monumental task. So what does work-life balance look like? And Are there other passions that you pursue out of this to help keep yourself more balanced? Mm -hmm. Well, I have three kids, uh, two dogs and a cat and a husband. So my life is like very, very full and busy, especially that all three kids have been playing club soccer Mm -hmm. uh, in the last year. And that's been a bit crazy. But what we do for fun is live music. It's concerts. We're a big live music family. We hit at least one to two shows every month. So that's really kind of our... What type of music? So mostly like folk rock. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's for the kids, then it's like AJR or Billie Eilish. So some like pop music. But for me, it's a lot of good folk rock. Who's been your favorite person you've seen so far? Oh, yep. man. Like best ever, concert. Like, yeah, ever, 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 Best ever. concert you would go every time <laughs> they're in town. That is so hard. Oh my gosh. 
So I have a favorite musician, and that is Ani DeFranco. I actually get to see her on Saturday in Cincinnati, which I'm really pumped about. Mm-hmm. My birthday's tomorrow. So oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Nice. So really excited about that. I've seen her, I'm going to guess, almost 100 times. Wow. I stopped counting at 50, um, <laughs> and that was like over 10 years ago. And I continue to see her whenever she, she comes. She does tour a lot. She does tour a lot. It, or well, you it, travel I, a lot. Well, when I was in, yeah, when I was in college and then like post-college, I would go to like three or four shows, mm-hmm. you know, in a row, be a little groupie. You think she recognizes you? I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so. Um, in my dream world, she would, you know, call me up on stage or something. So Ani she's DeFranco, like, if you're listening, yes, you know what to do. Yes, yes. She's a frequent downloader of this show too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have no, no way to prove it, but I'm going to you know, find her yeah. on Saturday and talk to her about it. So she's my favorite. In the last year, though, we did go. We went to Wonderbus. So I don't, did you guys go? No. Are you music uh-uh. people? Uh, my um, I do like concerts, music, but what, like, I have no idea what Wonderbus is. But we'll go to like Eric Church, Chris Stapleton. Like, oh, okay. We like so we that, saw Chris yeah. Stapleton. Oh. Did you see Chris Stapleton when he came to no, Columbus? No, we missed it. I wanted to see it so bad, but Chris Stapleton is like my favorite. Yeah, like Chris Stapleton's oh right on my Oh my gosh. Eye. So that show was probably one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just saw Marcus King, who okay. toured with Chris Stapleton, and he was amazing as mm-hmm. well. But in the last year, since kind of live music opened back up, Larkin Poe was at Newport, and they are phenomenal. Rock, okay. Like sisters, like total rock, bluesy mm-hmm. band. Yeah, they I, were just I, really, bluesy rock is like... Yeah. Right up my alley. Yeah, that was very cool. It blows my mind how good of, we don't have to keep talking about concerts after uh-huh. this, but the Newport and the other one that's in the church, um, um, Blue Ridge Stone, Blue, Blue Stone. Blue Stone, Blue. Blue. Oh, gosh darn it. It's that little church. Anyways, it's converted church. They turned it into, They bring yeah, it's in some great. good people here to Columbus. Mm-hmm. No, it surprises The me. Blue Stone. I think it's the Blue Stone. Yeah, I think it is Blue Stone. I think I was just adding too many words, but. <laughs> Blue Ridge yeah. Stone. Yeah, if you haven't been to the Blue Stone for a concert, it's a very intimate setting. It's like they've got two stories and it's a converted church. And uh, you can fit like 3,000 people in there, but it's very cool to see a concert in there. That's awesome. Yeah. So we we love music. That's, I mean, and that's really kind of my whole life. Music's been a big part of my life. But I also exercise. Right now I'm on a running streak. My challenge to myself was to run at least one mile every day and then to exercise for at least 30 to 45 minutes each day. So run a mile and then walk or do something else, do the Peloton for that. So I'm currently at 121 days of a running streak, which nice. I'm really proud of. Nice. Yeah, it takes a lot. I mean, that's hard to do. 121 like, days is hard with like, nothing to do between, anything yeah. no every breaks. single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I drink coffee every single day, but there's not a lot of other things that people do. I agree. Do. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. <laughs> um, I think that's a good place to kind of head towards. And Josh, you can get anything else before we head towards our-, our Fresh out. There you go. So we're going to wrap up the show here with a couple of last questions we always ask. So first one is, do you have any advice for our listeners? And our listeners out there, very interested in what's going on in Columbus. They're typically in the young professional category, but we've got everybody from young professionals to people who are just interested in what's going on in Columbus. But they're very interested in entrepreneurship, in owning their own businesses and being an entrepreneur. So any advice for those folks out there? So Cameron Mitchell did a presentation this morning for the Conway Center for Family Businesses. I wasn't there, but I heard about it. And I just read something recently in Business First, I believe, from him. And his new book is called Say Yes, Ask Questions Later. That has always been my motto. And that is 100% the advice that I give to people. So when opportunities are presented, say yes. Volunteer, raise your hand. I think that that's been... 
a huge factor in how I've gotten to where I am now is if I'm drawn to something, if something's interesting to me, if an opportunity presents itself, I go after it. I lean in and then I dig in as much as I can to learn as much as I can from it. I think that makes a lot of sense and is a great, great answer. Yeah. Say yes. I, I like it. Yeah. Our last question of the show, Allison, is centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase for a show about entrepreneurs and business leaders, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? So first, I love that. I love that that's your theme, and I think it's a really great question. Living uncomfortably for me is, number one, it's a daily thing for me. But two, I think when I think about that, I think about taking risks really stretching yourself, not being afraid to fail, um, not being afraid to make mistakes, letting other people on your teams fail and make mistakes, not in construction with safety, but you know, usually there's other opportunities to make mistakes and learn from it. I think about having difficult conversations, you know, taking risks with that. Um, I think that to be an entrepreneur, to be a business leader, you have to learn to be uncomfortable with that and to do it even though you don't want to. And then, you know, being courageous and just doing things that do make you uncomfortable. You just do it anyway. Just keep going. For me, you know, as a therapist, I was actually, it was challenging work, but comfortable because it was sort of intimate. One of the biggest changes for me going from that kind of setting to this kind of setting is how much I have to be around people and in public and um, lead groups of people instead of working with individuals. And so to me, like every day is uncomfortable. Every day there's a challenge, uh, whether it's working with people or managing a project. And, um, you know, there's a fork in that road where you can go one way, take the easy way. And there's you can also lean into the challenge and do it even though it is uncomfortable. That's a great answer. And Allison, it has been great getting the chance to talk with you, get to know you a little better. Appreciate you coming on our show and talking yeah. more about Marker and Corporate and your story. So thanks so thanks. much. Thanks. It's been an honor. I yeah. appreciate it. And Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed that episode, you want to hear more just like it, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you are listening on. I promise next time you listen, uh, my voice will be back to normal. <laughs> and uh, again, appreciate all your support. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.